We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Muso here to talk all things Chicago sports and sports elsewhere. Got a couple topics today, Matt, that uh, hit a little bit close to home. Uh, you're, I'm, I'm going to put it on you today to, to really carry the pod. I'm still in vacation mode. I'm, uh, I'm eight days removed from any sort of uh, work. So uh, you might have to carry us today. You moved from work, but you were kind of right in the heart of where we're, you know, what we're talking about. You were, you were in, in Chicago here, so you're kind of right in the middle of all the stuff that was going down the last few days, weren't you? Uh, got back home for a little bit. Uh, got, got my finger back on the pulse there of Chicago sports, what it was feeling. Uh, Lollapalooza, definitely your, your, um, your headline uh, of the weekend in Chicago. Never but, been, uh, never will be. I've been once, it's for the birds, you know, I didn't go this year, I came back to see some family, uh, full admittance got to a couple Cubs games, uh, was at that 16-4 to ball game, so I saw some fireworks. How many times did you get um, over the cell? Uh, I, I did not make it down to huh. the G-spot, so... Uh, Interesting, uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Say what you, say what you want. Uh, I was I was home for the party, not for uh, not for any White Sox baseball. So interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, don't out me here on our podcast. I think it's too late for that. But, no, I think uh, you've already done it yourself. The main headline, though, this week, Matt. Uh, I guess still a Chicago headline, but uh, it was a South Beach headline. Our boy Jay Cutler heading down to Miami for a one-year, ten million dollar deal. He's taking his talents to South Beach. There you go. That's what did you? That's that's fresh. Did you come up with that? that yeah, I've I never like heard how, that, but just kind of just kind of came to me. I like I liked how that because he's very should, talented. Yeah, he's, I like he's that taking them with him. Well, going to Miami. Matt, I, that kind of that kind of leads me into into my first question here for you. What does he bring to the Dolphins that maybe Matt Moore doesn't? Uh, I I mean he he brings a guy who's you know led a team to the playoffs before. Matt Moore has never really done that. I think Matt Moore is your ideal backup quarterback who can go out and, you know, hold water for, you know, three, four weeks, but he's not a guy who you want to entrust your entire regular season to. And Jay Cutler is a guy who you can trust your entire regular season to. I don't think he gives you anything less than Ryan Tannehill. In fact, he has the potential, I think, to give you more. I I really think between Tannehill, Cutler, and more, you have three extremely average quarterbacks there. And I think they would have been able to survive without signing Cutler, but and nonetheless, Jay's wearing the turquoise, and it's going to be exciting. It's going to steal some headlines. It's all that you've seen on TV these last few days when they're talking football. It's Jay Cutler. It was the top headline. Full disclosure, Matt, my two NFL allegiances, I don't know if you know this, lie with the Bears, and they lie with the Dolphins. I grew up a Dolphins fan under my cousins, who I considered my older brother, so kind of uh, in the the Dan Marino and then kind of the dark years, the Sage Rosenfeld years, uh, the Jason Taylor years, became a big Dolphins fan, so I cannot seem to kick Jay Cutler. I can't escape this guy. Well, congratulations. You get to hang on to him for another year. I had my cousin... I had my cousins uh, who who are the Dolphins fans. They were bidding on my uh, on my Cutler Bears jersey, so uh, they're they're trying to see the silver lining this as well. But I don't know how much there is. There are a lot of things 
between are, Jay Cutler, the Dolphins, and success. I are, think there's going to be a lot of roadblocks. But are they any worse off than they were when Ryan Tannehill went down? Can you honestly tell me that Ryan Tannehill's that much better of a quarterback and puts the Dolphins in that much better of a situation than Jay Cutler will be? Physically, no. Mentally, no. I think the one place where this is a big fall-off is preparation. This is probably the least preparation Jay Cutler's ever done leading into a football season. He signed that contract with Fox. It's got to be almost two months ago, a month and a half ago now. So you know he's been doing nothing football-wise. He's been practicing becoming a booth broadcaster for that time. So I think you're going to see him on a pitch count early on at camp. He's going to He's going to have to wake his arm up, amongst other things. You know, he made the joke about he's a quarterback and he doesn't have to have very good cardio. First of all, it's a stupid comment <laughs> that we're used to hearing from Jay. It's Snarky but Jay. He's just he's it, it is, around. It's, it's Snarky Jay, but Snarky Jay is going to have a short, sore shoulder for these first few weeks. He has not thrown a football in God knows how long. Yeah, but, you know, that's, A, not really his fault. I don't. I honestly think if you if looking at all the options there might have been, I'm not sure there was one other than this that A, made more sense for Jay Cutler, or B, really could have brought him out of retirement. I think this kind of was it for Jay, and it just kind of all happened to fall into place for him. And yeah, he hasn't really been throwing the, you know, throwing the football around, hasn't really been you know, going you know, a hard off-season you know, workout program like he has in the past. But he's also getting into this just late enough where he has time to let that come to him. This isn't like it happened you know, week three of the dress rehearsal preseason because mm-hmm. he's just getting thrown into the fire. It, he will be on a pitch count early on, but they haven't even played, you know, their first preseason game. They still got four weeks of preseason camp, all that stuff. So he's got time to do that. And it's not like he's coming into a brand new system where he has to worry about, you know, learning down, you know, getting down terminology, getting down offense, getting down, you know, timing playbook and all that. He's got all of that down, knowing the playbook, knowing the system in Adam Gase. He's just got to worry about getting on the same page as his receivers and getting that arm loosened up, which I think is not too much to ask for a guy like Jay Cutler, who's been doing this forever, to do in four weeks. Uh, what do you make of the Gase connection there? It's such a small sample size. He was successful that season. It looked like the Bears were building in the right direction. Then Gase takes the head coaching job. Is this something that is going to – it's obviously going to benefit him in running, but people evolve. Jay's skill set isn't the same it was a few years ago. Adam Gase might be calling – his offense slightly different than it was a couple years ago. Do you think too much has been put into his connection with Adam Gates? Um, I maybe a little bit, just because I think that's what everybody wants to. You know, they they everybody keeps talking about. It. I think it is getting a little bit overhyped because it was a little you know smaller sample size, which is the one year in Chicago. But I, I think I like it because the the way Gates worked with him in Chicago, it. it took away from what they usually ask Jay to do in a Bears uniform. Usually they asked him to put on the Superman cape, throw the ball 40 times a game, you know, for 300 yards. And if he didn't, you know, throw four touchdowns, one interception, they were going to lose the game. And it was, you know, he was, it was bad. Jay was his fault. Adam Gase asked him to throw the ball 21, 25 times a game. That's what he's going to do in Miami. They have a, you know, what a a so-so, not bad offensive line. They have a guy in, in the backfield, Jay Ajayi, who had a breakout year last year and I, Maybe not going to do the same thing, but he's a good. He's a very good running back. They have a very good receiving core. They brought in Julius Thomas at tight end, so he's got those pieces around him even more so than he did in Chicago. So it, it's not going to be asking him to go put on the Superman cape and you know throw for three hundred yards a game. It's going to be throw the ball twenty five times. You know, complete seventeen of them. Give me two touchdowns and you know try not to you know average point seven turnovers a game. And I think we'll be just mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. It, it's not asking him to be, be, be MVP, Jay. Like. 
the Bears fans, whatever for whatever reason, always expected him to be. That's not who he is, but that's not what they're going to ask him to do in Miami. I, I want to be, make it completely clear that I am rooting for Jay in, in this pursuit. I've always been a Jay apologist. I've always wanted him I to love do Jay. well. Not only because he was the Bears quarterback, I like the attitude about him. It, it did wear on us a little, eh, a little bit at, near the end, but he's your not to steal it, but he's your punky QB. He's kind of the he's the anti swag. He's the too cool for school type approach, and that always it always felt like Jay was being Jay. He was never putting on, and you could tell a lot of these guys are putting on. Jay's always going to be Jay. I'm rooting for him, but I'm. I'm a little bit worried about the situation he's coming into. Yes, it's a playoff football team. He's got a lot of targets around him, this, that, and the other. He knows the system. But it sounds like a one-foot-out, one-foot-in kind of approach to it. And it took him that same approach to go to the booth in Fox. It doesn't really seem like Jake Cutler knows what he wants to do. All these reports are coming out now that Kristen Cavallari was the sway vote here to get him back on the football field. Well, yeah, hun. $10 $10 million more in the bank does look good, so get back out there. If he's not in it, if, he's, if his heart isn't in it, if he doesn't have the passion for the game, I don't care if he knows every single play in the playbook and has the best wide receivers in the league flanking him, you're not going to be successful. Your quarterback has to be all in. I still think he is. Um, I think a lot of that you know, fluctuation back and forth, I think Sunday to Monday or whenever, I forgot when exactly it came up, but that, you know, the day before leading up to when he signed, I think it was, you know, back and forth like five times. Well, he's leaning this way. No, he's leaning that way. I think a lot of that was just his camp leaking that, you know, he wanted to, you know, he wanted more, you know, get more money out of it. So he had, you know, things leaking. He was going the other way. I think secretly, this is always kind of what he wanted. Even we talked about it months ago when he first announced that retirement in the Fox deal, when he gave those first few interviews, he couldn't convince me of anything that he actually wanted to be retired. And I think maybe while he got a little bit resigned to the fact over the last month or two, I don't think he ever fully wanted to stay retired. I think he was always hoping that there would be that opportunity. And I think he finally has that. Maybe everything happened all so quickly that, you know, you kind of get back in front of the media for the first time doing this. You're a little bit, not shell shocked, but just kind of reacclimating yourself to the environment. I think when he straps it up and, you know, time comes for week one, I think Jay Cutler is going to be ready. And it might take, a little bit longer to get where he needs to be because he's jumping into this a little bit late. But I, I, I think with how, not how little that offense asked them to do, but how quarterback friendly that system is, I don't think this can really turn out to be much of a disaster. Uh, be careful. Be careful uh, when you throw that word around because disasters can happen really quickly. Another thing that I'm worried about in this situation, taking it back to Matt Moore, Matt Moore has given the Miami Dolphins everything. If you go back pre-Ryan Tannehill, he was the starter. Matt Moore was a legitimate starter, and who knows what his growth could have been from that point to now if he remained the starter. But you have a locker room of veterans who support their guy, who really like Matt Moore. And you're now bringing in a quarterback who has known to be divisive in the past. They got a day one. They got a today get it figured out whose role is what, you got to name a starter in the next week, and you got to move forward with it because you can't have this divide a locker room. Maybe so, but you also couldn't go into the regular season with Matt Moore as your clear number one starter because if you bring in a guy to back up Matt Moore who's a clear backup, that guy's going to be awful. Yeah, he's not going to be you much can't, worse. You, you can't bring – because what just happened to Ryan Tannehill, if you don't bring in someone equal or better than Matt Moore, you're basically putting your entire season – on the health and arm of Matt Moore, 
And in today's NFL, where one bad season can cost a GM or a head coach a job, and these it's it's no it's no longer the days of you have three four years to you know here's your team, here's your head coach, here's your GM combo. No, it's it's a what have you done for me lately business. And even though they made the playoffs and won ten won ten games last year, if Matt Moore goes down or Matt Moore sucks and they go four and twelve, somebody's getting fired. So they yeah. have, I mean, these guys have to do what they have to do to you know save their ass, watch their ass, and they brought in what they think to be the most talented option is. And it was really Cutler or Colin Kaepernick. And Cutler's a guy who is probably the safer bet. And I think with Tannehill coming back likely next year, that's a guy who is more of a stopgap than Kaepernick is. And a guy who knows Adam Gase's system and can come in right away and at least mentally know what's going on. And while that might create a little bit of a rift in the locker room or picking sides in the locker room, there is time to figure that out because it is still so early. Uh, you kind of answered it a little bit there, Matt, but uh, I've also found myself pondering, where does this leave uh, Ryan Tannehill? What is his future with the Dolphins and in the NFL? Because here's a guy who, since 2015, has been do- doing nothing more than cashing checks. People have always questioned his arm strength. Now you've got to question his durability. He's got two knee injuries, and he signed through 2019, I believe, or 2020, I believe is his contract. He becomes a free agent in 2021. What is his future in the league? Um, you know, I, I think it's still with Miami. Um, I, I like unless Cutler goes and lights the world on fire this year. Um, <laughs> say what you would. Yeah, I know you can laugh about it. Um, say <laughs> we'll what see. you want about Tannehill last year, but I mean, he won ten games, to, in, albeit not the greatest division. But you know, they won ten games. They went to the playoffs, and he got hurt at the end of it. And the, the durability thing is definitely a question with him, but I still think he's got a spot starting with the Dolphins next year, unless something goes horribly wrong here with Jay or horribly or, or, I'm right. sorry, sorry that's what yeah. I'm gonna say horribly or incredibly right with Jay not horribly right if something goes horribly wrong he's definitely starting so so I gotta pose the question a little prediction here I know we only usually make predictions for big tournaments and or, for we can uh, we can for, the, for we our can, Chicago teams we're we can make Jay exception. color predictions all the time we're gonna make we're gonna make a Miami Dolphins predictions here final record Man, I haven't seen their schedule so I don't know it off the top of my head but with how you don't I, have to I think they're gonna win Nine or ten games. It's Jay um, Cutler. They go five hundred, eight and eight. Okay, career career fifty one and fifty one started to, with to the make Bears. it interesting because you're going <laughs> eight and eight. I'll, I'll up my prediction to ten and six. Okay, uh, I, I think the Jets are two layup wins. I think the Bills took a step back. So I, obviously, Patriots will be two losses. Jay's not beating New England, but don't, don't don't speak so quick. There, they've found ways in the past to sneak one out against New England. Um, but yeah, that doesn't like look like it's going to be the, be the <laughs> I'm, case I'm, this I'm year. Saying, I, I think Strong if they go favorites. four and two in that division, I think again, I don't know they're out of division conference schedule, whatever the hell. But I, I think ten and six is a very realistic goal for this team. I don't think anything's changed from Cutler to Tannehill. I don't think it's any drop off. And yeah. they were a ten and six football team last year. I don't see it. I think they got a little bit better this year. I don't see why they can't do that again. I think that the the drop off comes if you do have uh, Jarvis Landry. Dealing with a That's domestic, an domestic itself, violence yeah. in, uh, investigation, a completely different different topic. Yeah. But if he's missing four to six games to start this season, you're in trouble. They start off the season, I'm looking at right now, uh, at home versus the Buccaneers. Uh, they go to San Diego. They go to the Jets. They have the Saints and the Titans and then the Falcons. So if you're looking at that early part of the schedule, if you're without the juice, you're in trouble. And then you're going to have a very unhappy Jay Cutler. Yeah, that's. I mean, you could – with 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 Landry in that lineup, I mean, it, Grant, he's got to get his legal stuff figured out. And from what I've heard, it, it seems like he's not 
terribly in the wrong here. Uh, it was just something mm-hmm. that got a little bit overblown by from the comments I've read from his uh, significant other. I'm not sure if it's wife or girlfriend, but if he's healthy, you're not healthy. If he's in the lineup, I think they have a chance to you know, start out four and two, five and one, if they can maybe steal one from a an Atlanta team that might be in a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover mode. But if without him, without that best weapon outside, they might be in some trouble. You're right. Yeah, I, I've I've found myself struggling because you know Matt, I love ballers. It's my show on HBO, and, and they do they follow the Miami Dolphins, and it seems like the storylines are starting to overlap a little bit. New quarterbacks, domestic violence. I'm getting very confused. Well, I, I don't watch the show Ballers, Joe. I think last time oh, you told Matt. me, about, I think last time you told me about that, I kind of laughed at you for it. You, you'd love it. Oh, now that we're talking about uh, things that we've watched or not watched, do you have a report for us? Uh, well, after Thursday when the Bears play uh, their preseason opener, yeah, I'll have a report for you on what, what I saw there. You're going to have a report there. You don't have a Godfather report yet? I don't know Still what you're talking about. Still have not watched the Godfather? I don't know what you're talking about. We're just going to let this fizzle. That's what we're going to do? I'll get to it, Joe. I'm busy. Okay? No, you won't. It's been, it's been 24, 25 years, okay? Yeah, but I, if first, like, 17, you're not technically allowed to watch rated R movies. Unless it's the Godfather. Uh, that's illegal, Joe. <laughs> I follow the law. Um. But to get back to the topic here, Matt, Cutler back on the field, it's always exciting and it is always going to grab a headline, whether it be for the good, the bad, or the ugly. What Jay Cutler do we see? What Jay Cutler are we going to get? Is this going to be the same guy we saw in Chicago? I think a very similar version of that. I think you're going to see a Cutler who, when he's not the focal point of an offense, when he's not your best player on an offense, can lead your team to a playoffs. Maybe not, not will, but has the potential to. And if they get hurt and they ask him to do too much, I think it's going to spiral out of control and go not very good. But I, I, Jay is Jay is who he is. We know that. We've seen him long enough. Like you said, he's a fifty-one and fifty-one or whatever it is quarterback. We, we know what he is, and he's he's good enough to get you to a playoffs in good years, and bad enough to go you know five and eleven in bad ones. Yeah, it's going to be interesting either way, and uh, he's he's always been entertaining, to say the least, and uh, I think he'll comp- continue to do that in a place that uh, has always served as a solid crucible for entertaining players down in Miami. Uh, I'm very excited to see him, A, in those uniforms. Jay's going to look fantastic in that teal. Uh, Everyone looks good in that teal. It's it's a great uniform. It's very <laughs> underrated. But B, I'm, just, I'm excited as a neutral fan i'm gonna be rooting for the dolphins this year because I, I like jay i want him to do well want the best for him but just as a neutral fan to watch jay cutler from the outside is going to be fun yes it will and there is some football being played here in chicago as well we got to talk a little bit of bears right now matt um we said it a few weeks ago these guys gotta stay healthy and uh that has not necessarily been the case early on in camp no uh with yesterday eric kush one of the kush going down line, the hamstring down. Uh, that one, that one hurts if Kyle Long doesn't come back healthy. But uh, the the way they're approaching Kyle Long this camp, I think, is the right way. They're just going incredibly easy on him, not really asking him to do much. He's at the point of his career where he doesn't really have to do too much uh, in camp. So hopefully that helps him. He can stay a little bit healthy. But I I'm excited to see Thursday night. It's one of those. It, it, I get so excited for it every year. That first preseason game, mm-hmm. and then I start watching it and I see the first it's two terrible. drives and it's like oh. <laughs> I forgot this. This kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's it, it's the, the hype up is fun, the opening drive is fun, and then I kind of turn it off and stop watching. Aside from Mitch Trubisky, what are you going to have your eye on on Thursday? Because obviously that's what everyone's going to want to see. Get get Glenn in a couple reps, and then get Trubisky in there because we want to see what the future is going to look like. 
What are you looking at other than the quarterback position? Yeah, I'm looking at the the two small college kids, the two draft picks, uh, Adam yes. Shaheen and Tariq Cohen. Uh, from from what I've I've listened to on the radio, read a little bit, both of them are, are turning some heads in camp, having good camps, and Cohen is it sounds like a very good complement. The uh, the lightning to Jordan Howard's thunder in the back uh, in the backfield. Shaheen seems like he's developing as a, as a nice you know, red zone tar- you know, target who's more than just a big body who can move around a little bit, run the route tree pretty well. So I'm excited to see those two. And it, again, it's just preseason, but excited to see those two on a field in a competitive, uh, you know, competitive look. Yeah, that, that should be exciting. And I'm, I'm hoping that those guys, uh, they were prospects. And, yeah. and I, hope, I hope that those high ceilings that they saw are really – really really true because uh, because we don't know we don't know what these guys ceilings are and the front office obviously liked them enough to take a couple guys early that you might have been able to get in free agency but we'll not get back to that but gonna see what sort of athleticism that's one of the things that you can tell in a preseason game it's not going to be competitive the execution might not be great but you can usually see a guy's athleticism and hopefully these non-division one non-fbs guys do have that level of athleticism that you need in the nfl just to to be out there not even to be successful the thing i'm going to have my eye on is the athletes and back i want to see what that secondary grouping is going to do with prince of mukamura uh, Marcus Cooper, a couple of those pickups, just to see how those guys are gelling early on. I think that's really important because that's that's an area, that's a player group that we have not seen success in in a long, long time as Chicago Bears fans. Yeah, you know, from again, from what I've heard, I haven't gone down to Bourbon A or seen practice, but from what I've I've been hearing, reading a little bit, it's that you know Quentin Demps has, has been a nice veteran presence there in, mm-hmm. at, at one of the safety spots. Amukamar has been a nice veteran presence. You know, I, these guys. More so than what you heard about Antrell Roll that one year he played here. These guys actually seem like they can, you know, make some plays on the field while they're not going to be world beaters out there. Uh, you know, provide a stable presence in the defensive backfield. But that other safety race seems to be heating up pretty well. Eddie Jackson seems to be making a few plays. Adrian Amos has had, you know, an up and down career so far with the Bears. So that'll that'll be a fun position for me uh, to see kind of who emerges in these four preseason games. That that other safety opposite Quentin Demps. Kind of hoping it's Eddie Jackson because. You know, Alabama safeties tend to do pretty well in the NFL, and he was one of those guys they said might have been a first or second round pick if he didn't get hurt last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm I'm hoping to watch one of those two guys, Amos or Jackson, kind of grab that ring and and, and grab the job. It should all be very interesting, and uh, we're going to be watching it closely. Matt, I want to put Mitch. you in a sit and Mitch and Mitch, obviously. I want to put you in a situation right now, Matt. You are the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Uh, today, you know, they were a little sluggish in practice, dog days of camp a little bit. Who are you calling into your office and putting the pressure on for the rest of the season? Who are you saying, this is a make-or-break season for you? Who's that guy that you really want to see break out or go away? You know, I, 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 you want me to pick one side of the ball? You want to pick one from each side? Where, where do you want me to get one person in general? How do you, how, uh, go how go, one, you go one each side of the ball because I have two guys that I really think need to break out this year. Okay, uh, I think on the defensive side of the ball, um, I think it's got to be Kyle Fuller. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been he you know showed some flashes in that first year, but he's never been able to stay healthy. He obviously had the talent to be a first round pick. It's not like he was a guy who you know the Bears took and everybody was shocked to see go in the first round. He was a projected first rounder. He's got that talent, but the question with him has always been you know his drive and his want to to be out there. So I think can he, he tackle? Yeah, he. he, he, he <laughs> That's a good question too, but I mean, he's he's not in a make or break situation for his playing time. 
he's in a make-or-break situation for his career. The Bears already yeah. decided to not pick up that fifth year, so this is his last year before he you know, becomes a free agent and is out there. This is could be his last chance to develop you know, a career in the NFL or go away and, and find a job elsewhere. So I think Kyle Fuller um, is my guy on defense to watch because if he can develop into what the Bears hoped he could be, and I, I think that's a whole new ball game for that defensive secondary. Offensively, um, this might be a little bit surprising, but I'm going to say Jordan Howard. Um, okay. He had a great year last year. Uh, obviously, he was sitting second in the NFL in rushing total, not just amongst rookies, second in the NFL in rushing. But my, I'm, I'm going to call on him. It's like, hey, you know what? People are going to start game planning for you. You're not going to surprise anybody. You still have a good offensive line in front of you. Uh, you, you took some hits last year, but I'm calling you out to do the same thing. Our, our quarterback situation is a little bit in the air right now, obviously. Receivers, we you know we have maybe a little bit of depth, but we don't have some top-end talent that's you know go-to. You're, you're the go-to guy in this offense. I'm calling you out to be that guy. Don't don't disappoint us. Don't have a setback here. Challenge yourself to do what you did last year and, and be that guy again. Take the torch and, and lead this offense. Be the offense's best player. And Matt, you took the words out of my mouth because I was going that way on the offensive side of the ball as well. Coming off of that ankle injury, it's just it, you'd like to see him out there performing early on, and it doesn't seem like the beginning of the season has taken on uh, that sort of fervor or that sort of speed of someone that's going to lead this offense, mm-hmm. that's a place where you need the running back position to have production, maybe not all pro production, but production enough to where you're not throwing the ball 40, 50, 60 times a game. Yeah, exactly. On the defensive side of the ball, I know it's only a year removed, but I need to see something out of Leonard Floyd. I need to see these draft picks starting to pan out, not in year four, not in year five, your first-round guys need to pan out in year one or year two. These are guys that you're putting all of your stock into, and a questionable pick that people weren't really sure of but were really excited about this guy's athleticism and his upside, injury-prone, got to see something this year out of him off the edge. I, I'm with you on Floyd. Um, I think for maybe I'm – I'm a little bit more optimistic on him. I think we started to see some really nice flashes last year until he yeah. had that unfortunate – scary neck injury i think it was against the giants um mm-hmm. but i think my challenge is hey much like howard you started showing flashes last year come build. out and do the same build on yeah. it be better we, if if pernell mcphee god hope he's healthy on the other side but that's that's a whole other story in itself if you have someone like that on the opposite or even willie young when willie young's playing healthy he's a, a, you know a, another good threat on that outside it's not like you're alone in this you're, you're not going to be getting double teamed all the time Start earning those double teams. Go out there and be the best player on that defense because he does have that potential. He did show flashes last year. As down as I was on him as a first-round draft pick, I think he, he showed flashes last year where he can be an elite edge rusher. But he's got to continue to take those steps. Like We've, we've seen Bears first-round picks have those good first years in the past and then kind of go back down the mountain a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you there, Matt. And you say it all the time, uh, but it's, it, it's really true now. Football, football's back. Football's back. Football's back. We got you know what I found this... a little bit interesting, Joe? Huh? Neither of us said Kevin White. Uh, I'm, I'm at a point where Kevin White is a ghost. Kevin White is an albatross. Uh, I don't know what Kevin White is, therefore I can't set an expectation for him. To yeah. me, in my mind right now, Kevin White is a failed draft pick. And I know that's unfair because no, it... he has not had the time on the field 
to prove what he can or can't do. But if you can't be out there and you can't be healthy, you are a bust. I agree. As- I already I have him labeled as a bust. Surprise me, kid. He yeah, exactly. He he is right now a bust, but he has the potential to change that. Yeah, and hopefully he does. If not, I, I'm not banking on him doing it. But if he does, that would be, you know, the thing, be a nice, the, pleasant surprise. The thing that really scares me about it is it's not just you and I. No one's really talking about Kevin White. Yeah, you know, he, he kind of showed up in the paper here um, maybe once or twice last week. But other than that, he's kind of been, even when he was coming to camp healthy, wasn't even that much of a talking point. Uh, he he kind of had, like I said, one or two days where the articles were about him. But I feel like when you go through a training camp in Chicago, everybody's going to have one or two days where the articles kind of center around them a little bit. And, and you know what? That might be a good thing. Uh, a, a large heaping serving of humble pie sometimes goes a long way at the receiver position. Um, that's coming from someone who played the position. Sometimes you need to be knocked down a peg to build yourself back up. It's just going to be a matter of if this guy can be on the game, be on the field for at least, let's call it, twelve games this season. Joe, we just talked a half hour about football. I love it. Isn't I didn't I don't mean to stop you there. We just talked a half hour <laughs> about football. Do you know how excited I am about that? And with that, Matt, Sorry. let's talk some PGA Tour golf. That that that's a great change of pace there. We, uh, <laughs> that's a segue. We love our football, but we do need to move on here, Matt, to uh, some PGA Championship uh, storylines, some picks. You got the fourth major coming at you this year. Going to be the last time that it is played in the month of August. Really exciting stuff, and I think it's a great move. Next year, the PGA Championship being moved to the month of May. So you're going to have a major in April, May, June, and July. One per month. It's not going to be this crazy three majors in a seven-week stretch anymore. I think it's Super beneficial. I don't see a single drawback. No, and they're also they're moving the players. I believe to March. So yes. I actually think that's a it's great original. I believe that was the the original date too. The players they used we, to play it in March. We talked about it a little bit. You know, the players. There's been you know, should it be a fifth major? Which both of us said no. It, it's it's good where it is, but now it's your gear up. Exactly. The the players moving to March. That's your build up to the majors. That's kind of your 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 test run, your dry run, whatever you want to call it. But that that's still your your fifth biggest tournament of the year. But it's almost it's a it's a precursor to the main event. It's the undercard, which is exactly what that should be. And yeah, it, the PGA had always kind of I, I would guess you feel the same way, but of the four, it was always kind of the forgotten one, whether it was because it was at the end when football was kind of you know starting to pick up. That's always when the PGA was going on. It's kind of the last and least historic, I guess, of the other it, three. Not that it doesn't have its moments, but I think this does a great job of making your least interesting major putting it right back in the spotlight and kind of growing it a little bit more. Yeah, the PGA has also always been the decrescendo off of the British. It just lacked that excitement. It lacked something. It didn't have the panache that every other major has. Each one of those majors has something. The Masters, you have your history. You have Augusta. You have the Green Jacket. The U.S. Open, it's our national championship. The British being played at the home of golf. Each one of the majors has something. The PGA Championship is just the PGA's main tournament and it's it's not it doesn't have the history to me the Wanamaker trophy is great you know they've been testing it they've been using it as this uh launching pad for maybe some other courses uh when they got up to whistling straights and it it's fun but it did seem misplaced the things you do by moving this is like we said you you get one major per month now it cuts off it cuts that major layoff between the masters and the second major and like you said Matt it doesn't compete with the NFL anymore and guys who I know it only matters every four years but guys who want to play in the Olympics will have that time to 
get ready for the Olympics. It's not going to be such a cramped schedule because I know a lot of guys cited that as the reason that they weren't going over to play in Rio because they just couldn't fit it into their calendars. Exactly. And I just, I, I saw this story come out yesterday and I, I wanted to text you right away, but I think you beat me to it. Um, I, I just, it, it's a, I think it's a perfect fit to give us, you know, I guess four majors instead of three and a half. I guess, yeah. because it just, it counts as a major win as, and it always, and it should, I'm not saying it, it shouldn't by any means, but it just always seemed to kind of get forgotten, especially mm-hmm. if you didn't have, you know, a Tiger Woods or a top name kind of at the top of the field. Yeah. And well, that's obviously the PGA Championship moving forward, but that tournament's got to be played here starting on Thursday, and there are storylines galore. you got Jordan Spieth going for the career grand slam at the ripe old age of, I believe, 24 years old. Um, it, it's going to be exciting. We're going to see if he gets it done. There's a lot of talent out there, and it's, it's going to be on a golf course that has seen a lot of changes over there at Quail Hollow. Uh, over the last couple of years, I, I was reading they ripped down something like 2,000 trees, a lot of them near greens. So you're going to have greens getting a lot more sun. There, Therefore, your greens are going to be rolling faster. That's another thing that the PGA Championship never had was that level of difficulty of the other majors. I think that you might see a very difficult contested PGA Championship this week. Yeah, and I, it, that's, you know, people laugh when you say, you know, kind of rooting for the golf course, hoping the golf course kind of beats up the players a little bit, but I think that's what you look for out of majors because as fun as it is to go watch out, you know, watch guys shoot 22 under for a weekend, you, you want to feel like there's that, you know, par is a good score on, you know, on, on a major. It's not like if you make a par, you're missing an opportunity. Uh, and I, I think, you know, the, the tougher the course in a major, especially the, the better that is. And I think what they've done to Quail Hollow should only enhance that here. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're all going to be watching Jordan. Uh, we're going to be hanging on, to each one of his strokes, uh, because I, th- I tweeted it uh, last uh, the, at, at the British, and when he was up on top of that hill trying to navigate that shot, that he's he's really two part Sergio, one part Tiger, and it just that mixture makes for such a volatility and explosiveness and, and, and entertainment that this could be a really fun four day stretch. Yeah. So should we get to our uh, our, our money leaders list and, uh, and who we're taking without? Without further ado, we, we've been playing a, a little pick your major since we started this uh, this Moose and Runes podcast. You take one favorite and one sleeper. It has now been uh, established that the sleeper comes from outside of the World Golf Rankings top thirty. Uh, I'll concede to taking Tommy Fleetwood, who was inside that top thirty, as my sleeper inside last the top tournament. fifteen. Matt, I could have picked Jesus Christ, and and it wouldn't have mattered because you are trailing big time on the overall leaderboard. Just our take current, one, Joe. Just take our one. current money list leaderboard uh, is me sitting there with 949,857. You are sitting with a whopping $200,279,709. So you're trailing by roughly six, $650,000. You're going to need one of my picks to miss the cut. And you're going to probably need to pick a winner here to come out on top and not owe me a round of golf, Matt. Well, even so without more, further, without even further more further reason ado. for me to go heavy on uh, on Rice plus thirty one and a half against Stanford. <laughs> there you go, even it out, even it out. That's how it always works. But uh, hit me with your picks, Matt. Who is your favorite this week at the PGA Championship? Uh, I'm going to go Ricky. Um, I, okay. I think I want to say you picked him maybe in the U.S. Open. I think he's been picked a couple times here, but yeah. I, I he's playing such good golf this year. He, he's been hovering around a top ten in just about every tournament in the last you know month or so, month or two. 
Um, and I, it, he's, he's got to knock down that barrier, and I think the PGA presents the least amount of pressure to do that. And sometimes that's kind of what it takes for guys like Ricky to get over the hump where it, yeah. people start to talk like, when is it going to happen? People are definitely starting to do that with Ricky. He's the last of that kind of group to not have won one yet. And I think this is the perfect time. I think he's playing great golf. Even when he's not winning, he's finishing in the top 10 just about every week. Uh, he, he's had a pretty good showing in majors so far this year. Uh, I, I like Ricky as my favorite. I, I like that pick, and I'm always rooting for Ricky. The only thing that I've always put Ricky in my head, he's such a showman that I always see him either winning the U.S. Open or, or putting on the green jacket. I saw it coming on that big stage. Again, not to knock the PGA Championship, but I thought that his showmanship w- would lead him to, to break that barrier down at a major tournament at one of the marquee majors. But Nonetheless, a good pick here. His swing has been, I'm no swing doctor, but he's looking a little flat lately. And that's before he got with Butch Harmon, that was his biggest issue. So we'll see if he can figure out figure that out this week. It is going to take someone that can hit the ball a long way. Few can hit it longer than my choice. He's the odds-on favorite, tied with Jordan Spieth. I'm not taking Spieth. I'm taking Rory McIlroy. His game is so fantastic right now. He's swinging the club's unbelievably pure. It looks like that back is all healed up. All he needs to do is find a four-day stretch where that putter is on, and it could be another instance where he wins by eight, nine strokes. I think that Rory is right on that precipice of being head and shoulders beyond everyone, and it's only the putter holding him back. Rory McIlroy is my favorite pick for the PGA Championship. Yeah, I like that pick too. He's been he's been playing pretty well last the last few weeks. Uh, I know at the at Firestone he was playing pretty well at the British. He was right up I think I think in the top five. Yeah, just like you said, that putter. He, he's had too many stretches that have not even been average that it, but it really kind of let him down. Um, mm-hmm. And if he can just be an average to an above average putter with how well he's striking the ball and how far he hits it, I, I think he can. Yeah, I think he can run away with it and win if, if he's if he's playing at his best. All right, Matt, hit me with your sleeper. Uh, I like Jason Duffner. Um, okay, I think Duffner's been he hasn't been fantastic this year. I think he's been kind of flirting between you know missing cuts, but he's had has some top tens in there. He's won a PGA before. He's a guy who usually shows up in majors. Um, I, I I've always kind of liked Duffner. I've always kind of liked his swing. Um, I, I think this is a He's a low-key kind of guy, and this is a low-key kind of tournament where I might be able to sneak up on some people, play some good golf, and, and maybe surprise some people. Love the Duff pick. Uh, he has shown some signs this season that uh, the game is there as well. My sleeper pick this week is going to be, I was between a couple guys, and, and it really came down to the fact that people are saying that this is going to play, much like a U.S. Open, a very long and unforgiving tournament. So I picked another bomber. Tony Finau is the 60th ranked player in the world. He, I believe, has won one tournament this uh, this season, if I'm not mistaken. And he, he just flat out bombs it. Um, he's had some success in the past uh, prior to his PGA Tour career at Quail Hollow. Like we said, completely different course, going to be set up completely different. But I like Tony Finau for a top 10 finish. Oh, okay. I figured you're going to go with like John Rahm or like Sergio or maybe DJ or something as your sleeper. No, actually, credit to us. The only player that we've chosen in majors this year to get cut is John Rahm, and that was your choice. Which wasn't that, a terrible pick going It wasn't. People were super high on him that week. Um, I believe that was for the U.S. Open, but uh, the temper got the best of him. And I it's think it, that, that, that's that was exactly that, what you said would happen, too, or said yeah. could happen, not would, but Matt, that you could know, be his downfall. You don't have to pat me on the back, Matt. I pat myself on the back enough. Oh, I know. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> so those are our picks for the 2017 PGA Championship starting this 
Thursday uh, at Quail Hollow. Should be a fun one. We will catch as much as it as we can and then give you our thoughts, our reaction on what could be a historic Sunday on the PGA Tour. Matt, uh, we're going to move on here. I've had a great week. I'm going to leave the grievances to you. All right, I'll hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, Joe. The the Cubs and Nationals had a uh, had that three game set at Wrigley over the weekend. Uh, I think Friday they had a uh, a nice afternoon game, uh, which I believe they ended up losing. What was it, four to two, something like that? Um, but afterwards, Joe Madden has done what I think he's done way too many times uh, since he's taken over as the Cubs manager. And I'm not. This isn't me being a you know a Sox fan. I've I've heard Cubs fans say this. When I was at work, I believe it was on Friday, I even heard some, some Cubs fans there saying they're, they're sick of hearing it. Joe Madden needs to shut up about the Cubs needing to, you know, playing too many day games. Um, he says it affects their rest, and I'll give you that. If you're playing a Wednesday or a Tuesday day game and then you're, you're playing at night the day before or something like that, sure, that, that, that can get a little bit tiresome. But they're playing Friday afternoon games and then have Saturday afternoon games. I, I don't really think that 24 hours in between your start time is too much. I, I think this always comes after, you know, a tough loss to a good team where maybe he should have, you know, pulled the pitcher a little bit earlier than he did something along the lines of that. But it's just, it, it seems like an old tired excuse. That's, that's never going to change. Um, and if it is going to change, it's going to come from within the Cubs organization. So I don't see what calling out your, you know, two presidents and Theo and Crane Kenny in the media really does. Cause while he's not saying their names, that's really what he's doing. Um, I, I don't see as a player standpoint why playing Friday afternoon is any different than playing Friday night when you have a Saturday afternoon game. I actually think I'd rather play Friday afternoon. gives you your night off a little bit more. You don't have to wake up uh, way too early to get there Saturday after a late night game. Um, so, so that's my thing. It's not a huge grievance, but it just seems like every time the Cubs lose an important day game, if you can call any day games important, I mean, they're all regular season games, and at this point, the Cubs are going to be just fine. But whenever they lose a, a day game to a good team, it's always Joe Madden making it about him and saying, hey, you know, uh, we, we can't play these day games. They're hurting us. And that's why we had a 107-year, 108-year drought. Um, that, that's what I got. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there, Matt. The only thing that, uh, you know, that I might go spin this as a positive on is the fact that Joe knows what he's doing, and, and he's a very calculated individual this might be a way for him to take the pressure off of his guys. Now, can it become a distraction? Absolutely. But can it also be uh, a relief on the guys to not have to answer that question? Now, they're going to have to answer follow-up questions. You know reporters are going to come in and start asking about, did you hear what Joe said about the day games? That could get a little annoying too. But this is, uh, this is the point in the season where people are looking for storylines, and Joe's going to give you a storyline maybe away from the players to kind of keep things focused on the field for that clubhouse. Yeah, and I, I see what you're saying, but you also touched on it as well there. While it might, they might not ask one question, they'll, they'll start asking, you know, you know, do you hear what Joe said about this? Do you agree with Joe? Why do you agree with Joe? Do you disagree with it? Just, it still creates more questions from the media. And a team like the Cubs, I, the media is always going to be a thing. There's always going to be questions. Even when they're winning ball games, they're going to be asking stuff about what they're doing right, wrong, all that stuff. So I, it, it's hard for me to see the media 
being any more of a distraction or less of a, a distraction for the Chicago Cubs than it is or has been for the last, you know, since what, 2015. Yeah. And, uh, I think like you said, they're fine. They're in a position where, uh, you know, only a game and a half up, but in the driver's seat and the team to beat in that division. So I think that, uh, this is, this is a week long storyline that fizzles, uh, nothing to much ado about nothing, if you will. I, I agree with you too. It's just, it's one of those that seems to recur too much for my liking, but we, we can move on. Uh, Matt, I am, uh, like we said, about uh, $650,000 up in our team total here for the PGA Championship. I got plenty of money, so uh, let's play some buy or sell. Well, we should be doing a lot of buying then. I'll start out <laughs> because this first question I'm going to make you buy. All right. Joe, we talked a lot of football. Now, we got, we got two different types of seasons coming up. We got college and we got pro. You buy in, you buy in if you got to pick one. You buy in college football Saturday, you buy in an NFL Sunday. You got to pick one. Uh, now I, I'm gonna need a I'm gonna need a couple qualifiers here. You, just in general, college football Saturday or week five in each season, Joe. Just the, no, week not, five in each season. But I'm saying like the uh, the actual going to a game, the experience of watching it on the couch. The I'm, I'm gonna say of, the experience of watching it on a couch because okay. I think that's the more common related. I think that's what more every but most people do every weekend. So I'm gonna go with that one. Okay, I think, well, I think then, the in-game experience, I don't think there's a question. I think it's college football Saturday. Absolutely. So that, that's a different debate for a different time. But just your viewership from home, I am buying NFL football. I'm buying Sundays on the couch because I spend my Saturdays on, on the sidelines and uh, they're 100 miles an hour. Not to say that it isn't the best job in the world, but my Saturdays start at 7 a.m. and they end at 11 p.m. and we're covering Husker football uh, with with the best of them out here in Lincoln, so it, those are really breakneck situations where I haven't had I haven't had a Saturday on the couch watching college football. I catch the late games if it's an early early game. It's an eleven o'clock start here. I'll catch the night game or I'll catch the tail end of the night game after work. Either way, I love my Sundays. It's my day off. I sit down on the couch. I, I watch the Bears ruin my day. Then we watch the three o'clock game and flip back and forth to red zone. It, you can't beat it uh, and. With it being such a you, I think it's the unknown of college football. Uh, all of the bowl games, all of the uh, all of the things surrounding the game that maybe detract from the streamlined product that is the NFL. You know what's at stake. You know there's only going to be one champion. You know that once you lose, it's done. So. Those NFL Sundays mean a lot to me. I'm buying NFL football. See, I think I'm with you. I think I've been had this debate with different people a bunch of different times and I'm, I'm with you for a different reason i don't cover nebraska footballs from 7 a.m to 11 p.m but um i think i like the the big game like the you know the the one you know game of the week better in in college football whether that's you know your sec afternoon game or whatever mm -hmm. the, the abc night game is i think i like that better than you know your sunday night or monday night football but i think in terms of sitting down and watching a game on the couch I can watch any NFL game you put in front of me, and I will happily Absolutely. sit down there and watch all you know fifteen minutes of each quarter, and be happy doing so. I can throw red zone on, and I, I'll literally have that run for seven hours. Yeah. Um, whereas college football, like I love those big games, but I if you put Iowa Iowa State on in front of me, I just I don't really care that much about it. It's hard for me. To, it's hard for me to get involved in those games because they're 
some of those teams are so wow. irrelevant to college that's, football. Not irrelevant, sma- but in, in the grand that's scheme smash of things, mouth, That's smash mouth heartland football right I there. know. You know what I mean. In terms, <laughs> no, of, I winning, in terms of going I to the playoff, agree with in, terms you. Of, in the grand scheme of going to the college football playoff. Inconsequential. Those, what happens in that game, while it might be fun to watch you because it's football, I don't think that's going to affect what happens in the, in the grand scheme of things. Whereas in the NFL... Every team, every game, pretty much for the most part, until you get to the end of the year where you have you know two and ten versus two and ten, one of those teams is usually at least looking or trying to get into a playoff race. So it makes that interesting to me. I agree with you there, Matt. Um, I'm going to hit you with one here: buy or sell. We're going to keep it in the NFL. You know the history of QBs past forty, almost non-existent. Tom Brady has his fortieth birthday last week. Buy or sell? Tom Brady has won his final Super Bowl. Sell. So. So, I, I think they're a better team than they were last year. I don't think anybody throughout the league has improved all that much. I, I don't see a team that really beats them this year. Um, I They got him more weapons. Their line is pretty much the same. Their their defense has gotten a little bit better with Stephon Gilmore in there. I, I'll i never bet against Tom Brady. Um, I, I've, I've learned the hard way about that a couple times. Um, but I, I will never again bet against Tom Brady. I think they'll win another Super Bowl this year. I, I tend to lean with you. It's so hard to pick, uh, you know, a Super Bowl champion just because of the uh, the unpredictable nature of the NFL. We don't exactly. know who these teams are right now. We don't know who they're going to be in five weeks. But the one constant for the last seems like two decades has been Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So that's easy enough for us, I think, on that one. There you go. Uh, so mine goes back a little bit. Uh, my, my next buy or sell for you stems back to my, my grievance a little bit on Joe Madden. But he called him and, and Wade Davis had a little bit of a tiff in the media. Um, Madden kind of criticized the way Davis approaches hitters. Davis fired back a little bit. Um, do you think buy, buy or sell? Maybe this is just because Davis is new and might just be gone after this year, and he's just a one-year rental. Who knows? But buy or sell Joe Madden not is is not losing the locker room, but is. His, his act, his attitude is wearing a little bit thin on them. I'm going to sell it. I could see how guys might, uh, as you said, get worn thin, but when, when you're playing for a coach who just put a ring on your finger, uh, you tend to give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, can some egos grow when you win a championship? Absolutely. But I think this is Joe Madden kind of making sure – Everyone is going out there on a daily basis and not taking it for granted. He was really nitpicking Wade Davis there. Uh, I think he was talking about you know his release point and yeah. like spring training type stuff. That as a closer with a, with a big personality, it might rub you the wrong way, but it also might make you go out there and pump it an extra mile an hour faster. So I think that I, I might be giving Madden way too much credit here in both of these talking points we've hit him on. But I think everything he does has a reasoning behind it. I tend to agree with you, and I, I would sell as well for that. Um, I just think I think it has to do more with the slow start to the year and the. I mean, last year was a storybook year from from day one to, you know, mid October. But I think this year there's been a little bit more bumps in the road, been a little bit more Cubs fans, players, whatever, being upset with each other, mad, and I think that's just more of a testament of the team struggling out of gate than actually wearing thin on each other. All right. Well. I'm going to need you to uh, get out your overreaction button here and, and, and slam it because I got one that uh, might, you know be that's not la- my style. might be a little laughable here, but we're going to look way down the line. Buy or sell, Mike Trout finishes career as the hit king of baseball, surpassing Pete Rose. He is currently nearly on pace. He just hit his thousandth hit 
in 879 games, putting him at a 1.13 hit per game pace. Uh, Pete Rose hit 42.56 in 35.62 games, putting him at a 1.19 pace. So slightly behind Rose's pace. Obviously, he would need to play a unprecedented long, yeah. long career. That's the only thing against him. But buy or sell Mike Trout finishing his baseball career as the all-time hit leader. I'm going to sell it. Um, I think he has the best chance of anybody that we've seen, that ever. I've seen, I think, ever. Yeah. Um, he's just he's not injury-prone, but he's spent some time in the, you know, a decent amount of time on the DL, whereas you know, if, if he's going to challenge that record, he's going to have to play you know, 150 games a year for you know, 10 more years, 15 more years, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. he's going to be able to do that. I think he can make it interesting. Um, I think he's got a pretty darn good chance to get the 700 home runs, and I think that might actually be more of a storyline as him chasing down the the home run record. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I'm going to sell on Rose. That that just that seems like a little bit of a reach to assume if he's healthy for the rest of his career and plays 150 for you know 12, 13, 14 more years. Sure, he's got a great shot, and I think he could do it. But I I, I just don't think he's going to do that. Yeah, as you said, that's never been the hallmark of Mike Trout is his durability. Exactly. Um, he's found himself injured a couple of times, but guy sat out a large chunk of this season and is still a viable MVP candidate. So when he is out there, he is the most electrifying thing, I think, that we've seen since the steroid era. Well, I, I think he might go down as not the most underrated baseball player, but possibly the most underrated athlete in the history of professional sports. I, I think he's so head over... It's that, it's that damn West Coast exposure. It really is. I mean, well, honestly, if he's playing for the New York Yankees right now, oh. I mean, he is. He, you look what Aaron Judge is doing. It's Mike Mike Trout's, you know, times twenty. Uh, he's yeah. been doing it for five years now, whereas Judge has kind of been doing it for half a season. But I, he just he gets overlooked a little bit out there, overshadowed. I think he's so much better than just about everybody in the majors right now, especially when he's healthy. Um, yeah. I uh, I'm selling on that one too. I just wanted to say Pete Rose's name. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right, Matt, uh, we're going to dip into the mailbag here? Yeah, we got a quick one uh, from a friend of the program, Parker Carroll. Uh, ah. Congrats to Parker. He's starting a new job tomorrow. Um, there you go. He asks us, uh, starting a new job soon, how hot do I come in with my sports fandom? That's, I like that. That's a good question. It makes you think about it a little bit, huh? You really, you really got to feel out. I think that um, – you really got to feel out the office. If it's a sports office, let them know. I agree. Where, where your, where your bears tie? Put up a pennant in your, in your cubicle, in your office, where in your setup. Um, let people know because uh, a lot of times Monday morning, that's going to be the, that's going to be the water cooler talk. Um, but, but if it's not, uh, you might have to, you might have to, you know, suppress it a little bit, which would be very unfortunate. I don't wish that upon anyone, especially you, Parker. Exactly. I've, I've only been in offices that are sports-based, so this is new yeah. to me. Um, wrong guys to ask. Wrong guys to ask. Here. But I, he, he texted me, uh, you know, how do I, you know, submit a mailbag question? I, I you know, said, hey, tweeted at the account, you know, just out of curiosity, what, what is it? And he texted me this, and I just texted him in all caps, just H-O-T. You got to come in hot. Hot. Just come in, just come in blazing guns blazing, hot. you know, Especially with that white with the White Sox stuff, because you're probably going to go into a Cubs office. Because every uh-huh. office go, you know, be, be big Sox, big Bears, all that stuff. Come in hot, come in, puff the chest up. You need to find the biggest guy in the office and, and sock him in the mouth, right and, in the mouth. That, don't Parker, do that. There, there's your advice, Parker. Um, don't do that. Don't punch anyone day one. 
because we don't have any openings here at the Moose and Runes podcast. <laughs> we have some unpaid internships if you would like them. Yes, we could, we could get you an unpaid internship. We uh, don't have a 401k. It will require you to move to Lincoln with me, though. Uh, he can move here. Selling point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As always, thank you, Moose and Runes listeners, for sending in your mailbag questions. We want to hear more from you. We want to give you more feedback. Fun questions just like that, like Parker Carroll sent us that. Thank you for listening and for getting at us, Parker. Hope you have a wonderful start to a new direction in your career. Uh, Moose and Runes listeners, as always, subscribe on iTunes, uh, like us, post a review, uh, let us know how we're doing because we want to we want to make this show yours. We want to change it. We want to tweak it. We want to do things that you guys enjoy because that's why we're here. We know you guys got us popped in your ears at all different times of the day, at work, at night, and we want to cater to you and what you want. As always, thank you for listening. Matt? And Joe, before you shut it down, I just I want yeah. to give us a little bit of a – you just gave the listeners a little bit of a golfer's clap for being you okay. know, always tuning in, submitting. I want to give you tip and me cap. a little bit of a tip of the cap here because we, we had some requests when we first started out, especially when we had that uh, that great interview with Dave Poole and that you mm-hmm. know, tr- try and keep the, the podcast to just about an hour because anything longer than that, you know, it becomes you know a, a two-day thing. you got to spread it out. The hour is, is much easier to manage, and you know it's it's better for listening. Hats off to us. We've been pretty much in between fifty eight minutes to an hour two, just about every time since then. So that's that's some great that's some great awareness and clock management on our part. That's just yeah, knowing knowing when to kneel on it. Yeah, it's important. You don't want to you don't want to get crazy. You don't want to get anyone hurt out there. And uh, if you, if ask anyone, Matt, my internal clock it's always been uh, it's always been pretty spot on. So. I'm, I'm thinking that we're getting close right now, and I'm going to shut us down. All right, buddy? I'm looking at the clock. We're right at 57, so perfect. 57, and they do it again. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, Moose and Runes fans, I'm going to shut us down here. It's going to be quick. Uh, nothing serious, just a, a note of applause to college football and college football fans everywhere. The season is upon us, and uh, you are what makes this game great. I'm here watching these fans in Lincoln, Nebraska go crazy over camp. And and I realized the other day that that's what makes it fun. The crimson of Alabama, uh, the the blue and yellow, as much as I hate to say it, the maize and blue of Michigan, uh, the golden helmets of Notre Dame. It's all amazing. And and being just a couple weeks away from it right now, I I get the chills thinking about it and, and what it means to, to us as sports fans, to us as a podcast, and to us as a country, because this is really something that is important to a large number of people here in the United States of America. College football is back. Pro football going to be right behind it. We're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to talking about it, breaking it down for you, the Moose and Runes listeners. And with that, we say goodbye on episode 15? 14, I believe. 15, something like that. Something in the teens. Before we of, say goodbye, I just got one little note here, Joe. What's up there, Matt? You said Maize and Blue of Michigan. I'm going to edit that part out. You're going to edit that out? And the part that I just said it out. So those Cut them. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Cut them. And with that, we say goodbye on the Moose and Runes podcast. Matt, you have a great week. Moose and Runes listeners, you have a better week. We'll talk to you soon. See you Monday. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome.